All right, good morning, everyone. Let's just, before we get into the word, let's just bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we are here before you. We wish to honor you this morning, not just with our praises, but with our, um, our ears. We wish to uh, honor you and your word. May your word um, penetrate our hearts. May, we, um, may it uh, change us, transform us. May we live by it every single day. We also pray for the uh, Sunday schools. Um, these kids, they're precious to us, and we, we ask that you um, keep them in your hands and um, protect them and guide their, their futures. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, does anyone here enjoy watching CSI or any other crime scene investigation shows? We have a few. Maybe read books about it. So let me think. Um, from what I understand about CSI, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's always a mystery to be solved, usually about a murder. There's always an investigation into forensic science, so there's all the forensics involved. And there's always drama. Am I right? Usually those three are the good combination for, for this kind of CSI TV show. Now, what fascinates me about CSI is the forensic science. So if I watch these shows... I watch it for the science because I think um, I think there's, there's something in that, um, something in this where they kind of collect, preserve, and analyze the evidence during an investigation. And what I like about it is that um, the forensic science is like a mouthpiece. It's a mouthpiece to the crime scene. Um, it's like the crime scene's a silent witness, and the science comes out and says he. Is the mouthpiece to, to the silent witness. So if a crime scene was to speak, the forensic science would speak for it. And there are so many different ways that a crime scene can speak um, through forensics. For example, um, bloodstain pattern analysis. So this is one I looked up myself. This is quite interesting. Um, crime scene investigators and scientists will spend hours upon hours studying the bloodstains because the stains tell a story. And there's different ways they do this. They might um, um, analyse it in a lab, so they take it with them, or they might, might analyse it at the scene itself to work out what happened. So it's as if the blood tells a story and the science of forensics can read and interpret that story. Now, I would put a picture up on the screen just to show you, but I thought... Not everybody would like the look of blood, so I'll, um, for good reasons, I'll, I won't put something up. Um, and just in case there are children present as well, I don't want to disturb anyone. You might ask, why is it important for us to know this? Um, and and um, what I want you guys to do um, is just um, to understand how this fits in with scripture. So there's a couple of verses that I want us to look at. And these verses will make it clear for us. And it will show us why it's important and why we need to know this. So the first one is in Genesis 4.10. And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And the second verse is in Hebrews. Chapter 12, verses 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, 
and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So here are two verses, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. And can you see why I started out talking about forensics and I started talking about how blood tells a story. In Genesis we see blood is crying. And in the Hebrews we see blood that speaks a better word. Blood cries out, it speaks and tells a story. It's a bit like the um, bloodstain pattern analysis that tells a story and so forth. And therefore we, in the scriptures we also see that blood tells a story. So for this morning, we're going to look at how the blood of Abel cries out, telling a story, and how the blood of Jesus speaks, telling a better story. That's what we're going to look at this morning. And I thought rather than just focusing on the forensics or just focusing on the blood, I thought I'd include the, the story about the murder and, and the drama that comes along with it as well. So what I want us to do is I want us to read the full story of Cain and Abel in Genesis. Um, it's chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. So if you want to read along with me in, in your own Bibles, I've got it up on the screen as well. Just up here. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So for this morning, I thought to divide this sermon into three subheadings. We're going to look at the offering, the murder and the condemnation. Just trying to keep it simple, trying to go through the narrative this morning and then to show you how 
the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So let's start with the offering. Abel offered up a sacrifice pleasing to God. He offered the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Jesus also offered up a sacrifice pleasing to God. He offered up himself, firstborn of God. So in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 to the first half of 5, we read this. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So here we see that both Cain and Abel had something to offer. Cain was a worker of the ground, so he offered some of his produce. And Abel, a keeper of the sheep, and so he offered up the firstborn of his flock. They both had something to offer from their vocation or their occupation. They had jobs, these were their jobs. One was a worker of the ground, the other one a keeper of sheep, and they both offered something from their vocations or their occupation. But the question is, why did God favour Abel and his offering by not Cain's? We might say that Abel offered up his first born, the firstborn of his flock, but Cain did not offer the first fruits. So in other words, Abel offered up his best, but Cain didn't. Abel put his heart into the offering, but Cain didn't. And this could be one reason. Or if we dig deeper into the text, we see that Abel not only offered up his best, but their fat portions also. Now this is where it gets interesting. In other words... Abel came to God with a firstborn and its fat portions. Something must have happened to separate the sheep from its fat. And the only thing I can think of is that Abel killed the sheep, separated the fat from the sheep and offered it to God. But why would he do this? What's the significance? Why would he kill an innocent sheep Separate the fat from it and offer it up to God. Well, again, if we dig deeper, um, deeper into not just this passage, but into all of the scriptures, we find that when God wrote his story, he wrote his story in blood. And this is where the blood tells the story. Think about it. Back in the Garden of Eden, God killed the first animal. He killed the first animal. He made garments of skin to clothe Adam and Eve. What God is saying here is that something went wrong. Sin entered the world and the only way to make things right is not with fig leaves that are sewn together and not with produce of the ground, but with blood. This is how God is going to fix this fallen world, with blood. And what Abel is doing by offering up the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions is putting his trust in God to make things right with blood. That's what Abel is doing. God favoured Abel's offering based on Abel's trust in divine accomplishment, not human achievement. So Abel killed his firstborn sheep, separated the fat portions and offered to God as an act of obedience not to gain faith, 
but to demonstrate faith. And therefore, God had regard for Abel's offering and not Cain's because it was offered in faith. Now, how is Jesus' offering better than Abel's? Well, he didn't offer up a sheep. It was different. He offered up himself. Like I said earlier, God's story is written in blood. And Jesus is not just part of God's story written in blood. He is God's story written in blood. Abel's offering was only a picture to Jesus. A picture pointing to him. A shadow. Abel's offering is just a story about Jesus. Jesus is the real deal. And that's how it is better. Jesus is the only true offering and sacrifice satisfying to God. In Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. He gave himself up. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And in Hebrews 9, 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. God said, the only way things can be made right is with blood, and the blood of Jesus is the only way God accomplishes this. Abel put his trust in this truth. All we can do is the same. We can put our trust in this truth too. And obedience will follow. Jesus' offering of himself is better than Abel's because it's the real deal, not just a picture of one. And I want to get to my second point, the murder. Abel was innocently murdered by the hands of his own brother. Jesus was innocently murdered by the hands of his own people. So here we have starting to see that there is a parallel between Abel and Jesus. Both innocent and they both died at the hands of their kindred. So from verses 5, second half of verse 5 to 8 we read, So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to his brother, to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. So Abel was murdered by Cain in cold blood. Cain got very angry and down about being rejected. And so he killed his brother. Why would he do this? Why would he kill his brother? Isn't his beef with God? Shouldn't he, you know, know, what's, what's the deal, you know? We can probably say maybe Cain got jealous at his brother. He got jealous at Abel, so he killed him out of jealousy. This could explain it, but I think it's not that simple. I think there's more to it. You see, Abel gave an offering to demonstrate trust in God. 
while Cain gave an offering to demonstrate trust in himself. Abel came to God with his offering and said, Here, I trust that you will make things right with blood. Will you accept me based on my trust? While Cain came to God with his offering and said, Here, look what I can do. I can grow stuff in the ground. Will you accept me based on what I can do? This is where the difference lies. Think about it. All Cain wanted to do was just be accepted, not on God's terms, but on his own. Abel demonstrated to God that through God and his promise can his existence be truly validated. He would say to God, I live not because of what I do, but because of what you have done. Accept me. While Cain demonstrated to God that through his work and the produce it yields can his existence be truly validated. I live because of what I do. Accept me based on this. This is important to understand because when God rejected Cain, it tore his reason to exist in half. And so to get back at God... Cain decided to tear up Abel's reason to exist by murdering him. It's as if Cain said to God, Hey God, now you can't favour Abel anymore. And his offering, he's gone. You can't be, people can't be validated this way anymore. Not through you. Was he successful? Was he successful at getting back at God? Or did this just create another picture? Isn't the murder of Abel just another picture of Jesus? Just like Abel, Jesus was murdered by the hands of his own people. And just like Abel, he was innocent. Matthew twenty-seven, twenty-five, And all the people answered, His blood be on us, on our children. This is when... Um, Jesus was, was um, on trial before the people and the people, the crowds were shouting this, his blood be on us and on our children. He was murdered by his own. In Acts 2, 22 to 23, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So, innocent and killed by his own. Why? Why did they murder Jesus? Let me tell you why. Because when Jesus was on earth, Jesus threatened the very existence of the religious elite and their establishment. The religious elite were just like Cain. They thought the same. That God would accept them based on what they can do, not on what God has done for them. They believed that they were the masters of their own salvation and so they created 
a religious system or a religious establishment based around this. And they were getting everyone on board. And they wanted Jesus dead, not because he was guilty of anything, but because he claimed to be God in the flesh and that salvation is only through him, not the religious elite and their religious establishment. So he threatened them. He said, I'm going to take all this way because I am the way, the truth, and the life. My death, my life, death, and resurrection is what's going to save people. So both Abel and Jesus were innocently murdered by their own. However, the murder of Jesus had far greater implications, which is what I'm going to get to in my next point, third point. The condemnation. The blood of Abel cries out for the condemnation of Cain. However, the blood of Christ cries out for the acquittal of all who believe. So from condemnation to acquittal. Listen to Genesis chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? It's funny he said that. Am I my brother's keeper? Because Abel was a keeper of sheep. He's like, hey, I'm not a keeper. I'm not his keeper. He's playing, playing with the words here. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. <clears throat> here is where the blood of Abel speaks, where the blood of Abel cries out to God. Cain murdered Abel, and now Abel's blood is crying out to God for his condemnation. And so Cain is banished from his occupation. That's how he is condemned. It's a bit like his parents being banished from the Garden of Eden. It's like a same thing happens. Yeah, like his parents, like the children. Um, Cain is cursed from the ground because of what he has done. So the ground will no longer yield its strength and he'll be a fugitive and wanderer. And this is interesting because, if you think back, Cain came to God and said, look, accept me because of what I've done. Accept me because of my occupation, what I can do. Validate my existence this way. And God took it away from him so he can no longer do this. God took it away from him. And then God put a mark of protection on his head to prevent people from killing him because he was afraid that you know, people would do that. And this is interesting because now Cain will spend the rest of his life remembering that God spared him from death. His mark will remind him of that. Remembering that Salvation is only something that God can grant, not something that could be achieved. He would learn to put his trust in God because of the mark that God placed on him. Trust that God, that no one will kill him. This is, this is it. Because he was, he was afraid for his life that if someone sees him, they're going to kill him for what he's done. But God spared him from that. So, Abel's Cain would now have to live a life of this condemnation. And this is what Abel's blood cried out for. 
Now, if we look in Hebrews 12, 24, we've read this one just a bit earlier. I don't want to touch back onto it again. We read about the blood of Jesus that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We read, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What is this better word? What better word does the blood of Jesus speak? Jesus was condemned a sinner. He never deserved to be condemned, but chose to be condemned on behalf of all who believe, so that all who believe can be set free from condemnation. Let me say this another way. You and I deserve condemnation because we are sinners. But because of what Jesus has done, we are acquitted of all charges. He sets us free. Because Jesus died for us, we can be set free. This is how the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cries out for the condemnation of Cain, and Cain was condemned. Must have been a difficult life, knowing that he will no longer be able to gain, uh, be validated, his existence be validated through his occupation. It was gone from him. But then, knowing that living a life in fear from, you know, potentially being killed, God spared him from that and then having to, to trust in this mark, wherever it may be, on his head or its hand, I'm not sure. The blood of Abel cries out for the condemnation of Cain, while the blood of Christ cries out for the acquittal of all who believes. So, we looked at the offering, we've looked at the murder, and we've looked at the condemnation. Cain's offering was not his best and demonstrated that he put his trust in himself and his occupation to validate his existence. He tried to gain acceptance from God based on his own achievements. When God rejected him, he tried to get back at God by killing his brother Abel. And this led to his condemnation. On the contrary, Abel's offering was his best and demonstrated that he put his trust in God to validate his existence. He was accepted by God, not because of what he has done, but because he trusted that God would make things right with blood. The shedding of the sheep's blood and his own point to Jesus. The true and better able. Jesus is the true and better able who though innocently slain has blood that cries out for our acquittal not our condemnation. Now to conclude I want to um, leave you with some questions. Who validates your existence? 
Do you do it? What does Jesus? Is your existence validated in human achievement, by the works of your own hands, or in divine accomplishment? I can even ask the question this way. Are you working hard to be accepted? Or are you working hard because you are accepted? And how you answer these questions, or these questions, would help you define what sort of relationship you have with God and with yourself. Because a lot of people, a lot of people work hard to gain acceptance. And they get it for a bit, but then they have to work even harder to get something, some, some more of it. We either look a lot like Cain's relationship to God or a lot like Abel's. Some think about this. May the Lord bless his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have we have you. We have you and your story, your gospel that is written in blood, in the blood of Jesus. That you have died, condemned a sinner, to set us free. And we thank you for the story in the life of Abel, whose whose sacrifice and of, of the sheep and of himself points to you. And we can learn... From this story. May your word be um, applied to our hearts. May we apply it to our everyday lives. And may we continually reflect on our work and on what we do, whether whether we seek to, to be validated through our work or whether we seek to be validated through you whether we work just to be accepted or whether we work because we are accepted. May we constantly reflect on your glory. May we constantly reflect on the cross. May we constantly reflect on how you've delivered us from condemnation. We love you and ask that you bless this day. In your name we pray.